Well, Yeshua is coming soon. Several of you have asked me if I know the time. No. Our Lord said you don't know the day nor the hour. Then there are Bible teachers around who say, well, they didn't say month and year. Well, that shows that they're not Jewish. It's a Jewish idiom. You don't know anything, stupid. Okay. The Lord knows. Now, last year, he was supposed to come on September 24th. That was the day they were all excited, the fourth red blood moon. He did not come, but an exciting thing did happen. I got married. (laughs) Now we are facing another date, September 23rd. And it's unbelievable what people are doing. Uh, you know, when are we ever going to listen to the Lord? He's going to come at any time. Why wait till September 23rd? Uh, why don't you come on Rosh Hashanah? Because I can prove to you he was born on that day. Wow. Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year, wouldn't it be wonderful if the rapture occurred that day? I do not know that. But I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians. Amen? Amen. Open your Bibles, please, to chapter 4. And uh, we left off right here at verse 12. So we're ready for verse 13. And the general subject is the comfort that the Lord's return brings to all of our hearts. It is the answer. It is the remedy for every worry we have in life. Amen? Amen. Now, if you're really sick and you think you're going to die, just thank the Lord that if it does come, there's hope beyond the grave. Amen? Amen. If the doctor tells you you don't look good, just say, well, doctor, I was just thinking the same thing about you. (laughs) Okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. I love this because it was in a graphic with beautiful Old English calligraphy on a gorgeous painting in the lobby of the home where I grew up. And I used to love to watch people when they walked in the house and they saw that. They got scared and they wanted to leave. Here's what it said. I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those who've died, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Yeshua, Jesus, died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Yeshua will God bring with him. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Many of your Bibles changed that word to precede. They thought they were being smart. Well, now the linguists tell us that the Greek was correct. Yeah. We who are alive and remain are not going to prevent those who are asleep from being resurrected. And the dead rise first. Amen? Very interesting. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, 
and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. There is no chapter break in the original manuscript. You for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. The first thing I would tell you as you read this is he's not referring to the rapture in the words, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is used 25 times in the Bible. It is not a pleasant day. It is referring to darkness and gloom and suffering and death and terrible signs in the heavens. The day of the Lord. I have a book out there. The day of the Lord is coming. A lady bought it. She told me the next day, yesterday, she said, you better tell people not to read that before you go to bed. I couldn't sleep a wink. Well, here it says, you know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And they usually don't call and tell you they're coming. For when they shall say, peace and homeland security, excuse me, peace and safety. Amen. Amen. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, now writing to believers, are not in darkness that that day, the day of the Lord, should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Father, we thank you for these few verses that you say will bring comfort to our hearts. May we understand that. Thank you, Lord, for this blessed privilege, for this wonderful conference. And thank you that we have a hope, the blessed hope of the return of our Lord. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Well, let me tell you a few things. If you only get the big subjects, you'll still get the message. The very first thing I want to tell you is that this is a revelation from Yeshua himself. Wow. It is he who said, I will come again, John 14. It's unbelievable how many doubt it. In John, it's very, very clear. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you. The word is paralambano in Greek. It's a word of comfort. 
I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Amen? Amen. What wonderful words. few things about this revelation from the Lord. Uh, one is the assurance for those whose loved ones have died. Sorrow not like those who have no hope. Now, I've done a lot of funerals in my life, probably in the thousand category already. And I have noticed the differences among people at funeral services. Some of them want to jump into the casket or take whatever people left in there away. And I have seen strange things in the hearts of people who say they're believers. Amen? Uh, You weren't real strong on that because you're not sure that I wasn't talking about you. Okay? In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, Therefore we are always confident. I like that. Knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That's a place for a good amen. amen. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. If you flip over to the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verse 13, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Some good days are ahead. Here's a second issue, and that's the application that he makes based on the death and resurrection of Yeshua. And when you jump over to 1 John chapter 3, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Now I'm so thankful, aren't you, that uh, it does not yet appear what we shall be. Amen? And as you get older, you can hardly stand firm in front of the mirror. You wobble a little bit. You're not really sure that you look like you used to. And your friends will tell you that you don't. (laughs) But we got a hope inside of us. What are we going to look like when we get to heaven? That's a great question. Don't worry about it. It'll be much better than you look now. Okay. Here's the third thing, and that's the authority of our Lord Yeshua is behind all of these words. Verse 15 says, For this we say unto you, how? By the word of the Lord. It's not only a revelation from the Lord himself, but a second thought, it's a result that's described in the Bible as a blessed hope. So if you're struggling a little bit, uh, maybe the Lord's word can just lift your heart. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope 
and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach. By the way, that text is calling our Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the great God and Savior. No, I didn't make it up. The cultists say, no, there's two things here. No, they're not. Why are they not? Because the Greek grammar has two nouns connected by and, and the definite article the in front of the first noun, but not the second. There are 254 usages of that in the New Testament, and there are no exceptions. Those two nouns must be in total agreement with each other. That's grammar. And how I thank God for Titus 2.13. Our great God, the definite article, the, in front of God, our great God and Savior, Yeshua, Jesus. And I say, praise the Lord. What do you say? Because some of you need to let go this morning. You're uptight already, and I haven't even got to the good stuff. <laughs> Amen? Amen? And uh, just looking at this, let's break it down a little bit more. This is a result that's called our blessed hope. It is a revelation from our Lord Yeshua. Now, here's a few things. First, it's the entrance of the Son of God alone. No, the cultist is wrong who says the Father's coming. No, he's not. He's sending his son, the Messiah of Israel, our Lord Yeshua. It says in the Greek text, the Lord himself. It's what we call an intensive pronoun. It means himself and nobody else. The feature of that day is to see the one who died for us, who rose again from the dead. I can't wait to look on his face for the first time. Wow. His face shines like the sun, more brilliant in every way. His presence fills the universe. That's incredible. The Lord himself is coming. Amen? Amen. Thank God. And a second thing is the execution of divine authority. Wow. It says, with a shout. What does that mean? Well, the Greek kelusmati from keluo is the word of a military commander who is commanding his troops to start moving. Wow. In John 5, we read, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Wow, that's pretty powerful. He has all that authority, and he'll be calling all the shots, by the way. Amen? What a day that's going to be. I love the resurrection of Lazarus, and I like to say to people, it sure is good he called his name first. Because all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. So, Lazarus, come forth. Okay, then we just have the one guy. Yeah. Third, we have a royal escort, according to this passage. It says, with the voice of the archangel. 
Shirley MacLaine is wrong. There are not seven archangels. And so is the book that says the seven archangels. I bought one. I read the whole thing and took it back to the store and said, this isn't worth a dime. Why? Well, because there's only one archangel. The archangel. And the Bible's already given his name, Mikael, Michael, who is like God. And he is the one who is protecting Israel. Nothing like having the good guys on your side. Wow. And there is a divine exaltation as well. It says, with the trump of God. Now, in the Bible, that represents the voice and approval of God himself. There's even a whole chapter in the Psalms that deals with the voice, the powerful voice of the Messiah himself. It's unbelievable. What a day that's going to be. Oh, boy. I'd like to be in the front row. But I don't know. He'll probably put me in the back. I got a third thing to say to you about this. It's a reunion of all believers, both living and dead. Now, you may not want to see your believing relatives again, but you're going to. Yeah. Yeah, you, you probably didn't like them real well. But they knew the Lord, they're going to be there. And that'll be the shock of heaven. Oh, no, not my uncle. Yeah, well, they're all going to be there. It says, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. It's a compound of the Greek verb harpazo, which means to catch or snatch away. And uh, we are alive uh, and remain will be caught up together with them. With who? With those who were dead and are going to be resurrected, brand new bodies. I don't even know if we can recognize them, but I think we will. I don't think we'll be more stupid in heaven than we are now. Amen? That's my theology. Now, where is this going to be? In the clouds. People say, oh, the rain clouds. You know, there's a beautiful day out there. It's not rain clouds. Why? Because there's no definite article in front of the word clouds. It's referring to clouds of glory. Like Daniel 7 said, I saw in the night visions, behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. He's in heaven. And they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Amen? And when... Paul was expecting the Lord's return at any time. That's really interesting. In other words, imminent. I'm expecting the Lord to come back. And that's going to be a great day. Well, why has he delayed it so far? Thank you for asking. In 2 Peter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He's not delaying for no reason at all. As some men count slackness. He is long-suffering to us-word. In other words, he's talking only to believers. Or he wouldn't have said us-word. 
He is not willing that any should perish. What in the world has gotten into people that makes them think that all unbelievers are going to be saved? That isn't what the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach it here either. And there are some who want to be very nice to the Lord and say, well, it's just that he he doesn't really want it to happen. He's not willing. Excuse me? He's writing to believers usward. It's any of us. In other words, all believers will be at that great reunion. Hello? And there'll be no unbelievers there. Now, who are we talking about? It says, together with them. Those who are alive at the time, those who have died in Messiah, only believers. Now, the Greek words together, hama, is a word involving time. So we're all going to arrive at the same time. And the word with, the Greek word soon, involves space. From the standpoint of time and space, we will arrive at the same time and be together in the same place. Wow. How's that going to happen? According to the Bible, we're going to be caught up, seized, snatched. First Corinthians 15 says in a moment, that's the word Adam, and in the twinkling of an eye. You're talking to somebody and all of a bam, you're gone. Leave your clothes there, you'll get a new one. People say, well, it doesn't say maybe we're just a gas floating in space. Don't follow that teaching. That's stupid. No. Uh, You may not like what you're going to wear, but all of us are going to wear a white robe until the resurrection. Oh, by the way, you are not sleeping either. That's a word as a metaphor speaking of death. Not that you got some sack time in, he- in heaven when you get there. Uh-uh. As a matter of fact, the Bible says we're all conscious and we're all excited about the prophecy issues. How long, O oh Lord, until you... Yeah, that's right. Those guys are talking up there. And I don't know what they're thinking. Are they thinking about, uh, you know, the problems we had a few years ago? No. Why? Because he's not going to let you remember them. <laughs> Is that sweet or what? You won't have to worry what a stinker you were. Amen? We're there because of the precious shed blood of our Lord Yeshua, and he rose from the dead, and we will also have a resurrected body. Now, why is this all happening? First of all, it says in our Bible to meet the Lord in the air. So it looks like a verbal infinitive, to meet. It is not a verbal infinitive in the Greek text. It's a noun, and it's the meeting of the Lord. It's what we call an objective genitive. It's it's what he has planned for us. How sweet that is. We're going to have a reunion whether we like it or not. And that is going to be something else. He's planned it for our blessing. Wow. It's going to be something else. Philippians 3.20. Our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, who shall change our, listen to this, change our vile body. He's not saying it's wicked. What he's saying is it isn't worth much. Hello? I know you spent a lot of time getting ready for church. I'm sorry about this. 
But we have to teach the Bible, the whole Bible, nothing but the Bible. Okay? So I know you like the way you look, but God's going to change you. Amen? And probably people closest to you already know that you need a change. Yeah. And he says it will be fashioned like his glorious body, according to the working whereby he's able even to subdue all things unto himself. He has the power. Well, here's another thought in our series of thoughts here. Not only a revelation, not only the result and all of this, it's a remedy for all our worries and fears. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Jump back to verse 13. He said that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. It's a comfort to our emotional disturbances over the loss of loved ones. I've got a grandchild up there. My parents are all there. I never met my grandparents. They were dead before I was born. But what a day it's going to be. My. I'd like to hurry on because of time, but I know. I've been sitting where you have, hearing a message on the rapture. It's the kind of message you need to sit there and really think about. (laughs) Sorrow not like those who have no hope. Well, starting with chapter 5, which is no break in the manuscript, and he even starts with, but of the times and seasons you don't need, I write unto you. He was there and he told, okay, they were new believers, but new believers need to know that there's hope beyond the grave. New believers need to know that our Lord is coming again. That is the hope of the gospel. So let me give you another one. It is also a realization that believers will escape the coming day of the Lord. Wow. The day of the Lord used 25 times in the Bible. Five of those are in the New Testament. The term day of God is in 2 Peter 3.12 and matches the day of the Lord in 2 Peter 3.10. The phrase, the day of God Almighty, appears once in Revelation 16, 14, and is a clear reference to Armageddon that wraps the whole thing up. So let me put it to you with a series of statements. In verse 1 and 2, their concerns about the future were not necessary. Hello? Already since I've been here, people have been asking me details that I don't know. It is such a joy to look at people straight in the face and say, well, I don't know. Well, you're here at the prophecy. I know, but I don't know. Well, what about the four red blood balloons? I I said, I don't believe in that. Wasn't it in the Bible? No, it's not. What's in the Bible? He's going to turn the moon into blood. That's a little more dramatic, wouldn't you say? Wow. You know perfectly the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. You say, I think that's going to come here next month. You don't know. I don't know. Matthew 24 tells us to watch because we don't know. 
Wow. It said a guy needs to watch and make provision for his house not to be broken into. And we are to be ready also. For in such an hour as we think not, the Son of Man cometh. How many of you believe he's coming at 10 o'clock this morning? You don't know whether to raise your hand or not. Don't raise your hand anymore. You don't know. <laughs> and neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how God uses the phrase, the thief in the night, to describe to us that we won't know when the day of the Lord hits. But he just told us we're going to be out of here before. And he's going to tell us again because he knows they're worried. Wait a minute. The day of the Lord is the great tribulation. Yes, I know. Well, are we going to go through the tribulation? No, we are not. Now, I believe that if you want to go through the tribulation, you need counseling. <laughs> yeah, you really do. No, we're not going through the tribulation. It should be obvious by the passages of God's word. Interesting, the thief in the night issue in 2 Peter 3.10. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. That's where planet earth is headed. Wow. In Revelation 3.3. 3, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. In Revelation sixteen fifteen, Behold, I come as a thief, says our Lord. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walketh naked and they see his shame. Let me give you a second idea. The conditions of the world, in the world, when that day comes, are going to deceive many people. When they say peace and safety, they think they've finally arrived at the treaties and negotiations they needed. Then sudden destruction will come. Wow. Here's the third thing. The coming of destruction will be a total surprise. Sudden destruction will come upon the world as a travail upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. And by the way, according to the Bible, it comes from the Son of God, the one who has authority not only to take you to glory, but to judge all the unbelievers, which he will. And all unbelievers will be resurrected, by the way, after the messianic kingdom is established on earth, and they will all come before the Son of God, the one they would not believe in. And the final destiny is the lake of fire. That's Bible. I don't have a choice in the matter. I'm committed to the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. Let me give you how it affects me. I was getting ready this spring. Uh, on my Monday night Bible study, which I also should tell you is on his channel, and it goes to 186 countries of the world. In one week, we have over 35 million listeners. Unbelievable. 
We don't know who they are. We can't contact them. And there's no money involved. It's a miracle of God's grace. And it's happening all over the world. It's really amazing to me when I look at this whole issue. It's the Lord, the Son of God, the Messiah, that's going to bring destruction on this planet. In Isaiah chapter 13, verse 6, The day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as a destruction from the Almighty. The Messiah speaks in Isaiah 63, verse 6. I'll tread down those people in my anger. I'll make them drunk in my fury. I'll bring down their strength to the earth. Joel said in chapter 1, verse 15, The day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as a destruction from the Almighty. In Revelation 19, verse 15, Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Now, a lot of believers don't really care to talk about that. It's going to come with amazing signs from heaven. Wow. Like what? The sun will be turned into darkness. The moon into blood. Not just a red color. Before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, said Peter. We read it earlier. The heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth and the works shall be burned up. And all these things will be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness looking for and hasting under the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements, the molecular structure of all things, will melt with fervent heat. Many scientists have pointed out these are nuclear terms from ancient Greek. It's not only going to come with amazing signs, but it's going to come in much sorrow. Much sorrow. In Zephaniah 1, the great day of the Lord is near. It hasteth greatly. And according to the Bible, the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man on earth will cry bitterly. Joel 2, the Lord will utter his voice before his army. His camp is very great. He is strong that executeth his word. The day of the Lord is great and very terrible. And who could abide it? The answer, no one. In Revelation 6, the kings of the earth and the great men, the chief captains, the mighty men, every bondman, every free man, all of the presidential cabinet. Oh, I'm sorry hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and begged them to fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is coming and who shall be able to stand? I call that the attack Lamb. The severe consequences, folks, that will come, they will not escape. That's what God says. Unbelievers will be deceived. 
The Bible says that too. And my dear friends, unbelievers will also be destroyed. But the believers will have already been delivered. He gives a contrast in verse 4 and 5 between light and darkness. You are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're all the children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. I looked it up. The word darkness is used 168 times, of which 51 are in the New Testament. It refers to hell, calling it outer darkness. It refers to chains of darkness in which are demonic angels. It refers to the power of darkness, Satan's power. It refers to those who sit in darkness, unbelievers on the planet who think differently. And it is used of walking in darkness. And it's used, of course, of the day of the Lord. Zephaniah says that is a day of wrath, trouble, distress, desolation, darkness, gloominess, clouds, and thick darkness. Wow. And the challenge to believers because of that contrast is there in verses 6 to 8 of chapter 5. Therefore, let's not sleep as do others. Let's watch and be sober. They that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunk are drunken in the night. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. Let me first of all say there's a need for watchfulness. It was emphasized by our Lord in his parables and teachings about the future. And why is that? Why should we watch and be sober? Well, according to the Bible, our Lord himself, it's because of the weakness of our flesh. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, the old King James boys put that word weak there, thinking that will help us to understand it and accept it. It is not the word for weak. Asthenos is referring to one who has no strength beyond medical help. Wow. The work of the devil. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Watch out. As Paul said in the second chapter of 1 Thessalonians, Satan hindered us. He's out to hurt you. There's a need of watchfulness, but there's also the necessity of wearing spiritual armor, putting on the whole armor of God. Wow. Put on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet, the hope of salvation. So what is the confidence that we can have as believers reading this stuff and leaving today and wonder, wait a minute, what's happening? Well, God said in verse 9, God has not appointed us to wrath. All of those who are post-trib say that's referring to hell. No, it's not. Read the context from verse 1 on. It's about the day of the Lord, which is the tribulation. We have not been appointed to go through the tribulation. We're not going to. And you didn't say amen? Amen. Wow, we ought to be shouting glory. We're not going through the tribulation. And finally, I want to talk about the comfort that we should have. In verse 11, what are we talking about here? 
Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, edify one another, even as also you do. There are really two things being said there. One, we should encourage one another. Life is filled with a lot of painful things. Amen? When my oldest son had an anxiety and panic attack on Wednesday of this week, we were in the hospital till late. But the Lord brought him out of it. But during it, he just wanted to die. So I said, well, you know, it's possible that God isn't through with you yet. He looked at me and said, how can you say that right now? I said, because there are all kinds of problems in life and a lot of health problems, by the way. It seems like every week somebody comes up and says they got stage four cancer. I like to say to them, who told you that? Well, my doctor. Well, he doesn't know. He said he doesn't. He's highly skilled. He's one of the best. I don't care. He doesn't know. Only God knows. Oh, and by the way, it's his delight to heal stage four cancer all the time. We have seen it even this week and the week previously. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. To him be glory in the church forever. Watch out. We need to be encouraging one another, exhorting, encouraging, and so much the more as you see what? The day approaching. A lot of you have told me it seems like with what's happening in the world, we're getting near. That's true. I believe that also. But I don't know for sure. But I can tell you this. We ought to keep encouraging one another. It's not here yet. We got work to do. Amen? And not only should we encourage one another, the text says we should edify one another. Wow. Edify means to build up. And what are most Christians doing? Tearing down. Hey, did you hear what so-and-so said? I don't want to hear it. Edifying is the opposite of being critical and tearing a person down and blaming everything, other people, the environment, everything for the problems you have in life instead of saying, I thank you, Lord, for all the afflictions you give me. For it's in the midst of those afflictions that I know your power. Amen? You know, it's so wonderful that the gas stations all over California have now honored me. They have my age in a big circle. (laughs) Union 76. None of us know how long we're going to be here. God does. And he's going to use us for his glory and his praise. The day of the Lord, hey, of course it's coming. I know that, and there's a lot in the Bible about it. But I won't be there. He's not appointed me to receive that wrath from the tribulation. I'm going to go home to be with the Lord. And I'd like to see you all there. Amen. Amen. The greatest thing that ever happened to me 
is when I got saved, I memorized Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities or powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. I am his and he is mine. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I've been there also. I have been there where I heard the doctor say, he'll be dead by the weekend. That was first from a serious case of malaria. Secondly, I went to England to preach and caught E. coli. 2,000 men my age are already dead from it. Yeah, I know about it too. But you see... (laughs) If God wants you around, it doesn't matter what they say. And I always say, when they tell you, you know, you have a terminal illness. I said, doctor, when are you ever going to tell me something I don't know? The Bible's already told me that. And by the way, you don't look too good yourself today. Don't let them throw the C word at you as though somehow your life is over. Are you kidding? Wow. Many years ago, I got cancer of the throat. They said I'd never speak again. Well, they were wrong. You know what God did? He made me the loudest preacher you've ever heard. Listen, folks, I came here to comfort your hearts, not to disturb you about blood-red moons or September 23rd or any date. My Lord is going to determine that. And when he says it's time, I'm out of here. So you will not be asking me anything else, I sure hope. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful to know the Lord? Will you join me in a closing prayer, please? Thank you for your patience. Father in heaven, how we thank you and praise you for this wonderful, wonderful passage that one day will be caught up with those who have died before us to meet the Lord in the air, a meeting that he has planned for us all. What a day that's going to be. And we will forever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. God, may all of us who truly know you become encouragers and edifiers And that we might constantly build people up. And when there's a tragedy and affliction, it comes, and they do come. Help us, Lord, to speak the truth of your word. You have not appointed us to wrath. We're going to receive glory. Teach us, Lord, to glorify you. Lord, I don't know the hearts of these people, but you do. You know how many are sitting here listening to this? And in their hearts are not sure if they died today, they'd be in heaven. Yet you say, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Lord, they don't know if they've ever been born again. Maybe they've gone to churches who had another message. It was all humanism. 
There was nothing divine and special about it. Lord, I pray for those in the audience right now who are not sure. By your powerful Holy Spirit right now, draw them to turn to you in faith, trusting the death of our Messiah, his resurrection, and his coming again. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, please don't look around. Maintain privacy for everybody. But if you're here this morning, you say, David, I'm not sure. I'm honest with you, I'm not sure. I need to settle this. Right where you are, just lift your hand to the Lord in heaven. Say, that's me. Yes, God bless you. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Yes, sir. Right where you are. I need to settle this in my life. Yes, sir. And way over there. And yes, ma'am. And yes, sir, again. God knows all about you. And he still loves you. And today is the day of opportunity right now. Talk to him in the quietness of your own heart. Lord, I believe. Man in the Bible got saved by just believing that. Father, I thank you for these who have lifted their hands to you and said, I'm not really sure. God, I pray that before they leave these premises today, they will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they belong to you and will be at that great reunion in the air. How we praise you. And our blessed Lord Yeshua, we pray. Amen. God bless you all.